I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. to the Rocky Road Boxing Podcast with me, your host, Kevin Byrne. We've had Kid Chocolate, Kid Berg, and Kid Lewis grace the squared circle. But uh, that was all last century, and now there's a new kid on the block. And he hails from Connemara in County Galway. The Rocky Road is something Thomas O'Toole knows all about, inside and outside the ropes. He's a former national elite champion who, like compatriots Steve Collins and Sean Mannion, moved to Boston to begin his journey in the professional ranks. It's gone pretty well so far, with O'Toole building up an 8-0 record and impressing the likes of matchroom boss Eddie Hearn along the way. The Southpaw, aged 26, is certainly one to, wa- one to watch in the coming years. And he joins us for the 150th episode of the Rocky Road Boxing Podcast. Incidentally, he's the eighth Galway man to come on so far. So, Thomas, thanks for joining us today. Uh, I believe you're on call from work, so hopefully we get to hit, tell your story and we don't get interrupted. But maybe, you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah, no, it's a pleasure, a pleasure to be here. 150, that's a good number, all right. So, yeah, delighted to be here. So, um, thanks for having me. No, it's a pleasure. Um, you're on call from work, you're saying, but you didn't say what you're up to. What, what are you doing at the minute? No, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not on call. I just, oh. I could have maybe got called in. So, I right. I should be fine for now. Yeah, I should be fine, yeah. yeah. Be right, nervous yeah. when you get called in, yeah, yeah. What are you, what are you working on? You're in Boston at the minute, uh, where, <laughs> where you obviously moved to a couple of years ago to begin your career yeah. as a professional boxer. But you're working on the side like many a boxer before. Like we, I mentioned, Steve Collins and Sean Mannion in the intro. You know, they were doing all sorts of work between building sites and bars. What about yourself? Um, so I actually just moved here in April. Um, I did my first two years as a professional in Galway with my coach Pavel. Um, moved here in April and I'm, I'm bartending just along with, with my training. You know, it kind of suits, it suits the routine, like, you know, so yeah. Yeah. What's the bar called? Uh, so there's a few different places. I'd work at the Irish Cultural Center. That's where they'd have the GA in the summer. You know, it's a great, I loved it there. Great time in the summer. You know, yeah, you see a lot of the boys from home, especially yeah. being from Connemara, like, you know, there's a lot of boys from Connemara out here and you see them all on a Saturday or Sunday when they're playing the football. It's great. Like, it's like, I swear it was, it was like I was at home. Like during the summer, I felt nearly more at home here than I did at home. Do you know? Yeah. It's, it's crazy. The amount of Irish out here in general, but especially from Connemara. Yeah. Yeah. Cause Connemara has such a long standing connection with, um, with Boston. Obviously you watched that amazing film a few years ago, Rocky Ross Muck. And mm. you know that the mayor of Boston ended up being a Connemara man. And, uh, you know, the, some of the head monsters as well, you know, ended up with Connemara ties, but just the amount of Connemara lads who went over over the years. And there's a Gaelic, there's a there's a Gaelic speak Irish speaking enclave over there as well. Would you be would you manage to get a bit of that in? Oh yeah, like so like I said, um in that place in the cultural center, and then there's a few bars that would be in kind of Dorchester, nearly like Boston like Boston area, and you go you walk in there and all you'll hear is Irish. Do you know? So it's amazing. Um Actually, funny, yeah, the mayor, the old mayor was uh, from, his family were from Kalmar, and we came out with our team, I think it was like nine or 10 years ago now, 2014, and uh, we boxed at City Hall with the amateur, amateur. so we brought out a team from Kalmar, and we boxed with a team here from Peter Welch's, so it was good, like, yeah, it was very good. You haven't uh, done any shifts in the 12 Bends, I think that was Mannion's old haunt back in the day, and named after the mountain range down in Connemara. Have you been there? I've been there once. I remember when I came out for, so when I was, fight, my first several fights here, I was only out for maybe the week or two. But I remember one of them I came out and I had to drop some tickets off at the Trouble Bin. So I was there once, yeah. Again, yeah, I walked in there and just a bunch of Irish people, like, so it's <laughs> it's amazing, yeah. 
You're 8-0 now, Thomas, um, and it's gone pretty well so far. All your fights have taken place in the States, so fans back home, like some of them mightn't have got to see you that much. Obviously, you fought on a Jason Quigley undercard against uh, Demetrius Andrade in Manchester, Manchester by the sea, I believe, But and you had a first-round knockout, so they didn't get to see too many rounds earlier then, but 8-0, how's it been going for you and all? How's, how's the professional um, transition gone, do you think? Uh, it's good, yeah. Um definitely have some more to learn with it especially you know it's a completely different style to amateur boxing and I would actually consider it a lot more difficult because uh, you just have to fight a whole different way and you're trying to develop or like I would have been very I would have been a good amateur in the sense of my style you know I would have had a good amateur style and I have to kind of change it a bit you know I have to like slow down and and it's hard sometimes like you know even when you're in sparring you're trying to slow it down because you'd be doing six eight rounds whatever more like you know so yeah, it's good. And I was able to stay relatively active over the since I turned professional. So, yeah, not not too many complaints now. Do you know, obviously not everything's gone as planned. Like, you know, fighting on the matchroom card, you were hoping to maybe get a call up again soon. And it hasn't happened yet. Like, you know, but yeah, we're just tipping away and working hard every day, you know, and I know I know my opportunity will come like, you know. Yeah, six six knockout wins in the uh, in the eight rounds as well. You've brought a bit of power to the ranks. You obviously said that you felt that amateur boxing suited you more. But do you feel the longer you spend at a professional uh, in the professional ranks that your attributes are actually more suited to, to that with a bit of power? Uh, yeah, so I find um, I, I'm a good listener, you know. So I'm training with Mark Tiluk out here now. And, uh, you know, he's a very skilled man of the professional game, you know. So, um, like, I'm listening to everything he tells me and I'm, I'm picking it up. And I, you know, I try to implement them and implement what he tells me, inspiring and stuff, you know. So... I find I'm picking up little things like, and there's things that I wouldn't have even thought of that I'm learning now. And it's good. Yeah. So I think over time I will adapt to it even better. And I'll, and, and the professional game will suit me more like, you know? Yeah. I, you went over initially and signed with, uh, with Ryan Roach. Uh, I believe you've had a, you've had a bit of a split since. So you, you consider yourself at the minute to be a free agent and you're looking for opportunities. Is it in the States in back in Ireland or wherever the opportunities kind of tend to wherever the opportunities arise? So, yeah, I was actually asked this question um, the other day and like I already made a sacrifice this year. You know, I left my friend, my family, my girlfriend, you know, I, I moved over to America, you know, and. Um, so I'm I'm giving this game everything, you know, so wherever the opportunities are, I'll go. You know, if I was told there's an opportunity here in England, I could go to. Do you know what I mean, I'm not. I'm not saying I want to stay here. I have to be in a certain place. Like if it makes sense, I'll do it, you know, but of course it would have to make sense, you know? So the draw of Boston is basically because that's where you've built. Yeah. Massachusetts is where you've built your record, where you've built a fan base and where you've made connections uh, in terms of training. And so if that's the current draw for, for Boston. Yeah. And then there's the support aspect of it as well. Do you know, this is like a mini Ireland, you know, Boston. It's, it's great. Like I get a lot of support for my fights and, you know, I'm building a good fan base out here. So like I, I'd have a fan base at home and now I have a fan base out here. So it's good. It, it gives me options like, you know, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm loving Boston, you know, uh, and this is where I think I'll be for the foreseeable, you know. Okay. You grew up in, uh, in Connemara. Tell us about, tell us about your background growing up and are your people from, you know, going back generations from Connemara as well? Yeah. So I was actually born in, um, in Chicago over in America. Yeah. I was born here. Uh, my father moved over you know, for work, <laughs> like a lot of the Irish people did. And, um, you know, I was born here and then... Does that give you a green card status or whatever, visa status? Yeah, so, so I'd be a citizen, yeah. So mm -hmm. I, um, and that's, that's, it's very handy. I'd, I'd be a dual citizen, you know, and um, I moved, uh, moved home then when I was three years old. And, uh, yeah, I was raised in Connemara, you know. It's, at the time, I didn't maybe appreciate it as much, but now looking back, I'm very happy I was raised there, you know. So I grew up with my culture and, you know, I grew up with a lot, all my family over there as well. Like, do you know what I mean? So I was very happy. And all my grandparents are from Kunamara. Uh, I, my last grandparent passed away when I was only eight years old. So I didn't grow up with them as much, but, um, yeah, I hear stories about them all the time and stuff. And like a lot of them immigrated over to the USA, you know, again, to build a life for themselves. So And came from the islands too, I believe, Thomas. Yeah. So my three of them. Actually, I suppose technically I'm from an island, Letter Mullen. You have to go, you have to drive past a bridge. You don't have to get a boat, but you have to go drive past a few bridges. Uh, but my grandmother now would have been born on an actual island. I've gone out there during COVID even. You have to get a boat out to it, you know. 
Um, and then my grandfather was born right next to where I'm living now in Lettermullen. So yeah, a few of them from the islands. Yeah. Yeah. And like I did, I did like childhood, obviously in like Connemara is quite remote, but probably surrounded by kids as well, where you're playing all sorts of sports and a lot of freedom. Yeah, I think it's changing a bit now. A lot of young people are moving out. Do you know, they're, I suppose the opportunity we have in the world now, do you know, to go almost anywhere, it's amazing. Do you know, so a lot of them are taking advantage of that. Uh, but growing up, yeah, you had the set group of friends and it was good. You know, it was nobody had a care in the world. You know, you knew everyone knew their neighbors and it was good. It was, it was, it was a good time, good place to grow up. Were you athletic as a kid or was it, uh, did you play all sports or were you drawn to boxing at an early age? What was your own sporting journey? So my early being, being a kid, like, you know, from anywhere five up to nine, you know, I was actually pretty, I was pretty athletic. And then I kind of stopped. I wasn't doing any sports. And I, I actually, when I started boxing, I was quite a chubby kid. I think I started boxing, I was 12 or 13. I was, I was actually quite chubby, you know, and there was nothing in specific that made me join boxing. I think when I joined about 60 or 70 kids joined that year from Colomara, you know, it was just everyone had joined in that same time. and. uh yeah, I just kind of kept going at it. And I think was it a year or two after I started. So I, I think I would have been actually 13. I just said to myself, do you know what? I'm going to take this serious. Because a lot of us were there just for fun, you know? And I said to myself, do you know what? I'm actually going to try hard and take it serious. And then from that moment, I've been giving it a go-go ever since. Were you at the same club from from the get-go? Was it, you were Celtic Eagles most recently <laughs> and you spent a lot of years yeah. there. But was, was that the club from the start? No. So my Celtic Eagles is only, I think, about 10 years old. um, Or not even. I think it... So something like that. But uh, my first club was Connemara Boxing Club in Connemara. Um, Como Flaherty, God rest him. He uh, he passed away just before COVID, but he was he was my coach. And um, legendary figure when, in, in Irish boxing. Yeah. Much, much missed and loved. Yeah. Yeah. He was in the game 40, 50 years. Like, you know, a long time, long time. And, you know, if it wasn't for him, there wouldn't have even been a club in Connemara. You know, I know back maybe when my father was growing up now, he never boxed. But when he was a young kid, there was four or five different clubs, I think. And now there was only one. And it wasn't for Coleman, there wouldn't be any club, you know? And there was no... You had the GA like that, but you had no other options for sports, really, you know? So boxing was kind of there. And thanks to him, they we had the boxing. Um, yeah, then when I was eight, 18, I went to college in Galway City. So, you know, I need I just needed a change, like, you know, to help me progress. And uh, that's when I joined Pavel in Celtic Eagles. And... You know, that's kind of when my success started coming. I made all the sacrifices necessary. Uh, like I was, I was studying in college, but I didn't live the college life, you know. I was just boxing and studying. That's what I was doing. And uh, I suppose something that hindered me up until that age was when I was 14, I remember I was in a county final and I uh, tore my bicep. And that left me out. I was 14 when that happened. That left me out till nearly 17 because I had, I had, I had, gotten one or two MRIs and the doctor said it was fine. And then I was like the third MRI. Oh, actually you need surgery. So then I had surgery and I was out for like six months and then the rehabilitation, all that. So yeah, I was, I didn't really get going up until I was a senior really. So I remember the first year I boxed in the, was it the intermediate final? It was my first year in the intermediates, you know, and uh, no one kind of knew who I was like, you know, and I was kind of like, Oh, who's this guy, you know? But um, yeah, it was from that moment on, I kind of kept going and, Got a lot of fights and a lot of wins with Celtic yeah. Eagles, yeah. Yeah, because I was wondering about about that absence in your record there between kind of 2013 and 2015, and that must explain it, the torn bicep, because I see just seeing from your record, and I know like a, 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 an amateur's box rec isn't complete, but it's it's they're tended to with love and care by the lads who put them together, and they they, they do. But um, obviously, you've won a couple of you've won the Galway leagues and the boy three in 2011. Um, yeah. But then in 2012 and 2013, you've lost in the final in Galway or you've lost in Galway. And at that stage, do you kind of start thinking like, maybe I, you know, I, I can't get back to where I was. You know, I, I want to quit, basically. You know, it's, you've had success and now you've had the other, you've tasted the other side of it. Or do you just get encouraged uh, and think, I'm going to keep going? It's funny because at that age, like you, like we were talking about McDonald's there and how he's only a baby, you know, at 20. Like for me, I'm thinking, oh, if I don't win it this year, I'm never going to be any good, you know, but you're a kid and you're naive and you kind of think like that. So when I was like 14, 15, 16, you know, not winning titles, I I didn't really have much of a chance to win them either. You know, I, I will say that, you know, my training wasn't great. I had the injuries and stuff, you know, but I just kept trying anyways. And now winning them then, I'm thinking, oh, I'll probably never be any good, you know. 
But once you get 18, 19, 20, like you're still a baby. And I was thinking when I'm 18, 19, 20, that'll be it for me. Do you know, I'm, I'm going to be too old then. Do you know, it's, it's funny when you're younger, how you think about it. But yeah, I was worried at the time, but I, you know, I just kept trying and kept going. And I had the goal, the ambition I had from the moment I started boxing was just to win a national title. <clears throat> you know, I always wanted to win the intermediate title. And, um, you know, I got that. And then a year later, I won the elite slide, you know, so I'm yeah. now professional. So I'm just kind of kept it going. And suddenly an, an overnight success after after years of trying, because like you said, when you got to your yeah. first, you got to that, to that Irish final in 2016, lost to Conor Ivers. So I think the previous year in the Irish under 18s, you'd be beaten by Brett McGinty. So, you know, you're like a nearly man at this stage. And, and but then obviously 2017, I think you'd lost in the under 22s that year to uh, a guy who's hopefully going to be Paris bound, Keelan Cassidy. In the yeah, so 22s. I, and then, Keelan, like, yeah, me and Keelan actually boxed each other twice. And I think in a short space of time, it might have been one year. I think the year I won the intermediates, I boxed him. And then it was the other 22s we had after 20, that. Yeah. 20, 22s in uh, 2019, I think. Yeah, you got revenge. Yeah, I actually, it was a month after that I won the elite. But I remember, yeah, it's going for the under 22s. So the goal was the elite. And I entered the under 22s because I had actually just came back from injury in like mid December. I had, I remember I was meant to go to the Celtic Cup for September and I uh, got like a soft tissue damage in my left hand. I was sparring, actually I was sparring with Jason Myers. He's just gone professional as well. But so I hurt my hand and then I couldn't box for three months. So like mid-December I came back. So I was rushing to kind of cut the weight and everything. So I just got in there and got a fight. And I was happy I did that fight because then it set me up for the elite side. You know, I, I had made the weight. I got the ring rust off, you know? So it was good, yeah. Um... Yeah, sometimes, that, yeah. sometimes when a fighter has like ups and downs with injuries or form or whatever, it's still recognized at national level. This guy's a potential Olympian or this guy's one for the future or whatever. Did you have them overseeing you like that? Did you, were you recognized? Do you feel by Dublin or did you, did you feel you had to scrap for everything? Uh, I think I was recognized. Yeah. Like I know when I won the elites, they had me up there. I never really enjoyed the, the high performance unit. Um, I don't know what it was. I just never really enjoyed it. But uh, yeah, I was up there and I know even Bernard Dunn and Zuer. Zuer had a big interest in me, you know. And I remember it was, was it just after Joe Ward went pro? He, yes. Uh, it was a he big opening me, there. At, at yeah, he, he, he kind of, yeah. he sat, he brought me in for pads, like, and he goes, he said to me, like, you'll be the next Joe Ward, he said to me, do you know. So he did have a bit of belief in me, do you know, and he, he thought I had potential. So it was good, yeah. Yeah, because that's 2017 breakout year for you. I want to just as well, have a look and tell us about the joy you felt when you won your intermediate final because you know it's you hadn't won the elite final yet at that stage but you'd achieved your dream you'd won an Irish title yeah and uh you know other winners on the night included like the departed now uh Kevin Sheehy from Limerick Aoife O'Rourke you know went on to become a three-time European champion and Olympian and a guy uh from from Connemara Antonio Griffa as well so yeah. describe the joy that night as well you'd achieved it you, you'd done it like yeah, so me and Anthony, we call him Toto, we're, we're actually training together at the time, do you know? Um, yeah, it was a lot of joy because the year before that, you had mentioned I had boxed Conor Ivers and I had lost. Uh, and again, like I said, that was my first intermediate. No one had known me, do you know? There was something a bit bit dodgy with that decision, do you know? I <laughs> I, 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 had th- I had thought I'd done enough, like, do you know? And I like I had a great year. Was, I had won a prelims, quarters, semis, and then I was in the final. And I remember not getting the decision in that final and uh it broke my heart i remember the drive home back to galway and it's just like you know that feeling like my stomach you know when something you just think like your heart is broken that sinking feeling i just had that like and um you know i kind of was there and i was like should i keep going and i was just kind of thinking about it and i was like you know what we're gonna go again next year so i just went straight back training and there was no stopping me the following year like you know i had um after about five supermarkets in three days that's it back to training yeah yeah right yeah yeah i went up yeah i actually because i boxed at 69 kilos for that first intermediate and i remember it was a four days after after the final i weighed i checked my weight i went to the club and checked my weight i was up about 10 kilos crazy like yeah easy work easy work it was quite a struggle to make that weight like you know um but again that was my coach Pavel. he thought that was the weight that would suit me that year like so that's where he put me, you know, and um, yeah, it did pay off. Like, you know, I, I showed my level that year and uh, yeah, didn't get it. So put the head down and the following year we got it, you know. So it was good because it was kind of the whole, 
thing of not giving up. Like, you know, a lot of people don't see how hard it is. And then, like, you know yourself, the politics of boxing. And then when you put your life into it and then it doesn't pay off, whether you just lose or whatever happens, and then to have to keep going, like, you know. So it was hard. Like, it was a whole nother year of just sacrifice, sacrifice to get that dream. Like, and, you know, like you said, people might just see the success, but they don't see leading up to it, you know. And like that's where kids struggling with injuries, you know, and sacrificing in college and then heartbreak and then having to go again. And, you know, it's, it's perseverance, like, you know. Well, they say discipline's a skill. And, like, I mean, a lot of fighters can't stay disciplined. Some fighters don't have maybe the drive to stay going. Like, every fighter's background, like, speak to anyone in Irish boxing who's the most talented fighter you shared the ring with. A lot of them are going to mention somebody who didn't box again after the age of 16 or 17. There's a lot of fighters who yeah. fall away. And I guess as well, it's it's probably a testament to someone who has a very supportive family or training environment. And I, I I take it you had both of those. So it was not easier, but it was easier to go again. Yeah, I do mean it was easier to go again because you had a lot of support behind you. So that's funny, actually, just as you're saying, some boxers have stopped. One boxer, he had stopped just before the Olympics. And I think he would have qualified Michael Nevin. Unbelievable talent. Unbelievable. Like I did so many rounds with him. And if you weren't switched on sparring him, you were you were in trouble. Like, you know, he was he was so good, you know, so, so skillful. And it's another thing of like just falling out of the sport, like, you know. But um in terms of my family, yeah, I've always had good support, you know. Boxing brought me and my father very close. He came with me everywhere. And he did everything for me. Like he would drive me up and down the country for sparring or whatever was needed. You know, he put everything into it. And, uh, you know, when he was growing up, he didn't really have the privilege of competing in sports because he was, he was working 24 seven, you know, the old Kilmara way, they all had to be working the whole time. So he didn't really have time for sports, but to have been raised like that and then to give me all his spare time so I can do my sport, you know? And, um, like I say, anything I win, he's winning too, because without him, I wouldn't be where I am, you know? And then, you know, my whole family, like my mother now, she, God rest her, she would have never, she never wanted to watch me box, but she was always praying and she was always, you know, she would, maybe like when I was on the, fighting in the elites, it'd be on TV and she was out of the room and she's screaming uh, at them, what's happening, what's happening, you know, like that. I heard, I heard all the stories like, so, uh, yeah, and then I had family again in Connemara and then over in the States and they were always backing me and always, you know, checking in. So, yeah, I always had that good support, that good foundation. Yeah. That's gas that your mom couldn't watch. You, you hear that an awful lot. You hear that an awful lot. Like maybe yeah, the mother yeah. is at home just waiting for the phone call back in the day or now. Yeah, like you say, in another, in another room waiting for the updates on uh, social media or off the telly or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that win in 2017 got you going though. Um, and obviously I want to talk about your relationship with Pavel and, um, and Celtic Eagles. We've seen a lot of, like it's a very immigrant friendly club as well, Celtic Eagles. There's been a lot yeah. of fighters uh, immigrants from Eastern Europe and stuff like that and have competed at a national level for Ireland. Can you just tell us about the club? Yeah, it's an, it's an amazing gym. Do you know, it's kind of, it's uh, it's very modern in the way. So like when I would see gyms over here, like you'll have a boxing aspect, but then you have a fitness aspect. It's very friendly, you know, and it's not like the typical like boxing gym. You know, a lot of people would be intimidated to go into a gym. Celtic Eagles isn't one of them, you know. He runs like that's his full time job. So he's running classes all the time. And then he has his boxing classes and every training session, it would be routine. There would be, it'd be like in a high performance type training, you know, he'd have our drills set up and he'd have it planned out and, you know, just an amazing, amazing place. Like, you know, and a lot of, a lot of good quality boxers came through those doors. But quite modern in his approach. Like a lot of old boxing coaches can be off the cuff, presume knowledge. Yeah, I know how to condition a fighter, but he's, he studied it. He's he's oh, full time, isn't he? Yeah. And even that, he's always always willing to learn, like, you know, and I think that's a big thing. And I find a lot more with the more modern uh modern, younger coaches. They're very like they're looking to try and find new things to learn and pick up new things like, you know. I even see with Mark Deluca I'm training with now, you know, he's studying every studying the game every day. And Pavel as well, he's the exact same way. Like, say what I loved about Pavel, we would have a say if I had a bad spar. Or a bad, typically be a spar. I had a bad spar. Well, the next day we're drilling what I needed to work on, you know, or what I did wrong. And it was, he made a plan from what he was seeing, you know, and it's very important, you know, it's very good. Yeah. Oh, that's, and um, that's, that's quality. Yeah. And like in 2019, you did win your elite title. Did you, were you, were you going further than you'd ever thought you could at that stage? Or like you're in dreamland at that stage. You beat Tommy Hyde in the final. There was four Galway champs, champions that night. 
Yeah. Adam Hesse and Gabriel Dawson, Thomas O'Toole and Kira Malloy as well. There must have been yeah. there must have been some buzz in the back uh, in the back rooms at that stage and a, and a big party yeah, back was, in Galway. It was crazy actually, yeah. For Tammy from Galway, like you know, I think out of all the elite titles Galway have had, I think they've only had about ten or something, you know. And we got four of them there in one night. Like you know, there's a hundred years of boxing history in Ireland, you know. So it's it was good. Like it just shows the the quality that Galway boxers have. Like you know. Um, that was that was a great night. In terms of my amateur boxing, that's probably the best night of my career, really. You know, because um, nobody gave me a chance that night, but I knew myself like my ability. I knew I was the level I was at, like you know. And again, I had won the elite, but you know, Tommy would have been more, you know, with his family history and stuff. Everyone was like, "Oh, he's he's the next this, he's the next that," and you know, I was um, I I had that belief I could win, and uh, there was only. I'm not going to say names, but there was one other coach who came up to us after the fight and he said, everybody said O'Toole was going to lose. I told them all he was going to win because he knew me like, you know, he's a coach that would know me from different clubs. So, you know, the few people that knew me knew uh, I was I was going to do it, you know, but it was nice kind of being the underdog and then surprising everyone. You know, it was, it took no, I had no pressure on my shoulders. And to be honest, when it's a fight of that magnitude, like it was live on TG Car and stuff, that's when the best comes out of me. So. You know, I, I loved it. It was a great, great atmosphere, great everything. Were, were you like, uh, I know like Connemara and Galway are so supportive of their boxers and stuff. Did you become like a name back home at that stage? Were you like walking around like some sort of like a sporting celebrity at that stage? Irish champion? Uh, Yeah, after, I suppose after the elite, after I won the elites, I I definitely got a lot more recognition around Galway, you know. um, I, you know, you get people you wouldn't even know coming up to you and like, you know, talking to you like, oh, and so... It was good, like, you know, it's nice to see that there's people from your, and even I get people from other counties, you know, that would even come on when I was in Galway City working, you know, they'd be coming on holiday and they'd know me and stuff, you know, so it was, it's definitely nice to get the recognition, you know, but um, yeah, yeah, it's good. At the time, were you, were you working the doors? Was that the job? And you were, you were going to college as well. What were you studying? Uh, studying business and yeah, I was working the doors. So I remember right before COVID, COVID was nearly the best thing that happened to me because I was about to crash i was working on the doors at night i was studying during the day and then i was training twice a day as well so my body was depleted you know um really my head wasn't in that bo- in boxing for the last year or two of my degree because i was so focused on getting my degree because i knew once i had that then i could do whatever you know and um yeah i wasn't focused on my boxing uh and you could see that i lost in the elite final then the year after i won it you know yeah but, and that was, that was, that was a- quite I was quite surprised I got to the elite finals. You know, I beat Brian Kennedy and Tony Brown, you know, two good guys. And I lost yeah. a close decision to Emmett then. You know, my training wasn't, I shouldn't have been there really like, you know, but I knew uh, I won it last year. I need to defend my title, you know, but my focus was college and, you know, I was, that was it, you know, but yeah, you live and learn. Yeah. And like, obviously that was an, that was a very important uh, national elite championship. So that it was the 2020 championships. They'd been brought back to the tail end of 2019. So much like this year, you know, uh, what, to, what took place, yeah. so sorry, last year, but the winner was in pole position to go to the Olympic qualifiers and, and ultimately Emma Brennan beat you in the final and went on to qualify for the Olympic games and perform in Tokyo. Did you feel like you'd kind of, he'd wiped your eye or anything, or, or were you, you obviously said that you were focusing mostly on college. And that seemed to be your main priority in life. And, you know, you did it. Yeah. So, of course, so losing is hard, you know, and I take it very personally. And I know the feeling of, you know, funny, since I joined Pavel, like was I 18, every fight I lost as an amateur were all split decisions, really close fights, you know. And uh, it was always so hard to take, you know, and it's a bitter pill to swallow to lose. And even that fight with Emmett, you know, I knew maybe the work wasn't, no, don't get me wrong. It wasn't laziness. I, any chance I had, I was in the gym, you know, I had no social life. I was, you know, studying, working and then boxing, you know, and, um, I knew the work wasn't done to be an elite champion, but, you know, I said, I'll give it my all. And that was it. Like, you know, so to lose that fight, even in the fight, Emmett, Emmett won it. You know, I had people that thought I won the fight, but, you know, I was in there and for me, Emmett Brennan did win that fight that night, you know, and the credit, credit where credit is due, you know, um, but it was still a bitter pill to swallow, even though I knew I didn't deserve it. Maybe it's hard to kind of exp- express it, you know. I, I, I understand what you mean. You yeah, know that you could have trained harder during the year. You know, you could have, 
maybe peaked a bit better for the second elite finals of the year and then he goes to the Olympic Games. Did you watch those Olympic Games feeling sorry for yourself at all or were you, were you okay? No, no, because like I said, it wasn't the case of, oh, I should have trained harder even because, and I don't regret it right now, college was my main mm. focus, my main priority, you know? So I was, in a way, I was impressed with how far I got to get to that second final with the training I had done, you know, because I knew I didn't have the capacity for it, you know. Um, I didn't, I didn't. Um, I was very happy for Emmett, you know, he's a good guy and we had a, we had a good fight, you know, and um, that was always his dream, you know, and uh, yeah, I was very happy for him to get there, you know. Yeah, very happy. You had a different dream in your horizon. Tell us about college, though, uh, just before before we move on to it. So how many years did you do? Was it G- GMIT, Galway, Mayo, IT, was it? Yeah, so I did college for you. Yeah, I did. Um, G. I was in GMIT. I did a four-year business degree there. Yeah, and I know when I won, so that was kind of it. So when I won my intermediates, it was my first year, and I uh, the only time I failed an exam was the first semester of first year, because the intermediates were in December. So I wasn't like I had, I wasn't even going into college. I was in the gym. I was training twice a day. You know, like this was my dream so i had done that you know and then when i won the the elites that was second year and again the same thing kind of happened you know and i said yeah i can't do this anymore you know i won it means i won the elites i I had to focus on the college you know because i was going into my third year which was a final year and i had an i extended one year as well so it was getting harder you know and it was harder so that's why my training had to take a backward step like you know because it was it was it was getting harder you know i was kind of winging it and i was getting by but i was like I need to get. Yeah. I wanted. I wanted to get half decent marks as well. You know. So, do you apply your? Uh, do you apply your degree much to your boxing career at this stage? Obviously, a business degree. Yeah. Good head for it. There's a lot of things that are slack in terms of the boxing business, and I'm sure you see them all around you. Do you? Do you get to apply it often? Oh uh, yeah, I mightn't have used my business degree to the best of my ability yet, but uh, <laughs> no, like um, you know, I went when I went professional now. So I had finished my college. And I did an internship so I could get a bit of experience. I did an internship as an insurance broker, actually. And I la- I missed my last day of my internship because I was flying to America for my professional debut, you know? So I was kind of, COVID came and, you know, there was a, with Ireland, boxing wasn't really happening. And I said, you know what? I, I want to go professional, you know, give it, I finished my college, I'll, I'll give it a go. I wasn't, I didn't have any interest in waiting until, you know, this year for the Olympics, kind of, you know? So I said, you know, I'll give it a go. And that was it. Decided to reach out to a few people and uh, they made my professional debut literally three months after I finished college. And then my second fight with Matchroom is when I had my uh, ceremony and I missed that as well. Like, you know, I was looking forward to that for four years. So I was like, I can't wait now. I'll be very, I always said to myself, I'll be very, when am I all Ireland was one thing. And then I said, get my college degree, you know, I'd be very proud of myself. Can't wait for the ceremony and sure I didn't I miss it. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. You missed the You missed the graduation. Yeah. I remember my you. Mother, my, my mother wasn't too impressed with that either. All right. Like, but all right. <laughs> yeah. And you, you made up for it maybe by speaking a bit of, a bit of Irish on the zone. Yeah. And, but yeah, that must've been right sick and all right. Did you get a few stern words at home? Uh, no, no. Cause it was a great opportunity. Obviously, you know, and it was, it was okay. It was more so me. I was more annoyed that I missed it, you know, but you know, you weren't turning down an opportunity like that. You know, to find no, and it, it, it was a, it was a big opportunity. It was obviously the Jason Quigley, Demetrius Andrade, um, card. And we could, you could see, you know, from watching it on the screens back home, there was, it was more Irish than, um, than Andrade's crowd. That's for sure. And he's the local yeah. there from Rhode Island, isn't he? But it was a, it was a pro Quigley crowd, pro Irish crowd. Her knows all about it and afterwards Eddie Hearn spoke about your performance I have the quotes here he said um hang on a second now he said um did it he said Thomas O'Toole doesn't have a huge amateur pedigree I disagree Eddie I think uh, winning an Irish elite title is a great amateur pedigree but anyway he says he's a good young Irish prospect and he looked good in there nice left hand backed him up and then bingoed him against the ropes that's the kind of show real knockout you need as a prospect coming through it's going to be seen all around the world People are going to be watching it. That's how to make a statement. Every time you go out there as a young prospect, you've got to get, I should be putting on the Eddie Hearn voice here, but <laughs> it's, it's just too smart. You know? But it, you've got an opportunity to showcase your talent to the world. And it's not easy to get people excited with so many different prospects. So the ones that produce performances like that, you'll remember Thomas O'Toole's name and he's on to the next one. He's not signed with, he's not signed with us, 
but all of a sudden you pr- produce a performance like that and he had good support in here tonight you go okay we'll roll the dice with this young man that was a performance that warrants another opportunity and then like two years on you haven't been back on a matchroom card like uh so the first thing with that even with eddie saying even about the amateur pedigree i think he didn't have a clue who I was before that fight. So not that he didn't do his research, but he wouldn't have done as much. Oh, just this Irish kid filling in the card, like, you know? Yep. Um, you know, obviously I was only on that card really because Jason Quigley. And uh yeah, so then I got that and then maybe he looked me up a bit more. But um yeah, it was a great opportunity. I was delighted to be on that. And uh yeah, two years later and nothing but that was i was gonna say like you know when i went professional i had no one to help me like i had no guidance kind of and i don't mean that no one helped me but like i didn't have you know a lot of people to talk to about it and i maybe rushed the decision a bit but like i know myself now in terms of my i'm two years in and i've learned a lot of what professional boxing is about like and i know myself what i need even in terms of a team like you know going forward and I know those opportunities for matchroom will come again, you know, and even top rank, you know, box or any of those big promotions, you know, I know I have the ability to box on those cards and uh, I'll get the right team around me and we'll, we'll pick, we'll go on. Yeah. And there's big things happening on the, in the States as well. Obviously you see the back and Callum Walsh is getting from um, Mm. UFC fight pass and Tom Loeffler's promotions as well. So he's going to headline and, Madison Square Garden Theatre in uh, in March. He's got capable support there from Fergal McCrory as well. But there's other opportunities there. I think the fight on the East Coast and obviously Tommy Hyde and you shared a ring, uh, shared a, a card over there as well. I think there's going to be a few more opportunities in the next couple of years. But yeah, you're definitely having to learn. Definitely having to learn, like you know, while during your career, it's, it'd be great if you could, if you could know everything before you set about your career. But that's just yeah. not the way it goes. Um, I want to talk to you about a fight when you went to four and zero, Thomas. It was um, May the 14th, 2022 in uh, Dedham, Massachusetts. You fought a guy called Talik Taylor. And I believe it was like it was a tough week, wasn't it? Because I think back home, your man was gravely ill. So that, that, yeah, that was a, so the the day before the fight for the next week, it was very tough. Yeah. So funny thing about that fight, that was a very hard fight for me. I um I was making the weight and I had uh, had a seizure. So I had passed out and I had knocked out my tooth and I was I was in I was in a bit of a bad way, but you know, I was being a bit naive and I kinda you know I came to and the weight wasn't a struggle. I went to a steam room and in a in a local gym here and it was too intense. Like really so I just got out of it. Like I was on the weight, I was just kinda like ch- chilling out like, you know. I just got out of it. I'm like, that was too, that's too hot in there. I said, so I went into the shower and I'm in the shower and I just felt dizzy. So I got out of the shower and as I'm walking towards my father and my coach, I just collapsed. And this is about two hours before the weigh-in. So we head to the weigh-in and I'm there trying not to smile because I have a tooth missing in my, <laughs> in my mouth. And uh, I said nothing to nobody, you know, because I knew if I told them, they would have pulled me from the fight. And I didn't know, but I was concussed. Do you know, so I went into the fight then, and my head wasn't there. Do you know, I was very upset with what had happened the day before I lose my tooth and everything. You know, my head wasn't there, and I had hit Taylor with the left hand to the body, and I seen it hurt him. And like a novice, I had rushed in, and he threw a big overhand right, and he had just clipped me, and it wobbled me right. And I itself, I was fine. You know, it was fine. And any time he had touched me, I was like this feels weird. Why? Like the punches were nearly having an effect on me that, you know, in sparring or fights, I never had. And I'm like, this is weird. But it was because of the seizure. You know, I, I shouldn't have been in there at all. Like my, my head wasn't there, you know? And even after the fight, you know, I ended up stopping him in the second round and we went back downstairs. The fight was over and like, I couldn't really see straight. I was all over the place, you know? So the following day we fly home and I remember I'm at home and I'm upset with the performance, you know, just the way I wasn't listening and, you know, losing my tooth, everything, you know, I'm kind of disappointed. And then the following day I wake up and I get a call that my mother had passed away. So then right away, you're thinking, I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, why in God's earth did that bother me? 
now I have something to that actually can bother me, you know. So mm. it was a, it was a very it was a very tough week. That one week, it, my body went through a lot of stress, you know, between the weigh in, the fight, you know, dealing with my mother. It was my body went through a lot of stress, like you know, and I think I got a wrinkle or two from it. All right, <laughs> yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Was it yeah. sudden? What happened with your mom, or was was she sick uh, as is expected? Or so it it was it was sudden. Yeah, she she had had some heart problems. But it was very sudden. She was actually doing really well. And we just got a phone call from a relative over here that was on the phone with her when it happened. And I remember I was, I remember right at the time when I, when, um, when, uh, when I got the phone call and it was bizarre because I was just talking to my, I was with my best friend. It was after the fight. So I was going to go out with him, you know, and I'm there with my friend and I'm just talking to him and I'm telling him how much I appreciate my mother, you know, how much she's done for me my whole life. And, then I got a phone call. It was so bizarre the way it happened, you know, but I guess it's kind of God's plan, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I can only imagine like, yeah, the the fight and the fight week sounds like such an ordeal. And you're feeling like you say, you're feeling sorry for yourself. And then this this bolt, yeah. this lightning now, bolt. Then I had a reason to feel sorry for myself, you know. Yeah. But again, it put things in perspective. Like I lost my mother at 23. And a lot of people are like, sorry, sorry. But I say, do you know what? I had a, I had an unbelievable mother for 23 years of my life. Some people don't even get that, you know? You know, and I still, I have a father, a great father, you know? So mm. it's, I'm very lucky. Like I have, I have a friend who's lost both his parents. I have another friend who's an orphan, you know? So mm. you have to put things in perspective. There's always a case to feel sorry for yourself in life, you know? And that's, I think boxing helped with that, you know, discipline and just, you know, things can be good, like, and it's about glass half full, you know, it's never glass half empty. And I, I, yeah. that's a big thing I believe in, like being positive about everything, even when bad things happen. Like, look, for example, I'm in America, I'm in a great country with great opportunities. You know, if I'm back in Ireland, I'm in a great country with great opportunities, you know, like life can be so much worse and it only takes something bad to happen for you to realize, geez, I was lucky, you know? So, so, so you've gained that clarity from your mother's passing. It maybe that isn't something that was there before maybe maybe it was there before but it was possibly solidified by what, what took place um, i i always had that i was always positive and i made sure i was like that you know because i see people too often a lot of people they're just sorry feel sorry for themselves and you know and they have a great life you know they have food they have a bed do you know what i mean they have everything they need and then they have extra you know and they still like this is not good that's not good you know Everybody has problems, but then when something like that happens, like none of those even mattered, you know? But although I had that attitude after my mother passed away that, look, I had a great mother for so many years of my life, you know? Of course, it's still, it is still hard and I think about it every day, but, you know, it's... Did it, um, did it change your outlook on boxing? Because I'm sure she had hopes and dreams for your career and does it, does it drive you? Does it give you an added determination to follow the dream? Yeah, I, like, just to, just to, just to say my mother passed away when she was when I was 19 and I remember like some of our final exchanges and like follow the dream is a very important part of of our part our, what we how we parted so may I'm just wondering maybe do you have a similar experience um the first last the last conversation I had with my mother she told me send me a picture of your tooth because <laughs> I just lost it because my father my father was saying ah he's fine he's fine he doesn't need new tooth you know it wasn't all gone but it was chipped and so I sent her a picture. My mother would be like me, you know, I I would care about my appearance. Like, you know, I don't want to be missing a tooth at 23 years old. Like, you know, and she, I sent her the picture and I'm on the phone to her. This is probably 12 hours before she died. She's like, oh, yeah, you need to get that changed. Yeah, that's not good. That's not good. You got to fix that. She goes to me. So that was probably, she probably had a dental, she probably had a dental appointment booked for you before. You yeah, right. So, yeah. Do you know what I mean? So, um, but to be honest, my mother, she never loved that I was boxing. Mm. But she was always worried, like naturally, you know, um, but she always was there for it. You know, she always stood by me and she was like, if that's what you want. And, you know, she backed me, you know. Um, so, yeah, she uh, she was kind of with me for whatever I wanted to do, you know. What was it? What was your first fight like? Um, what was your first fight back? Like, I think it was um, in Dorchester again. It was a couple of months later. It was in November. You fought a guy called Joe Jones from uh, Jersey City. He was 13 and 6. And, you know, he'd, he'd had a couple of good wins the previous year, a couple of stoppages. He'd lost two on points coming in to fight you. But did you feel different? Did you feel pressure? Afterwards, you beat him anyway and you posted, how can I fail when I have an angel looking over me? So 
Yeah, you obviously were emotionally charged that night. Um, that was a funny fight now because I was meant to fight in the July. You know, my mother passed away in May and I was meant to fight in July. The fight got called off. And after my mother passed away, I just went straight back training. Because I seen, you know, we all, my whole family took it hard. But I, you know, my father took it especially hard and mm. even my brothers, you know. And I said, you know what? I kind of took it upon myself. I got to keep the show going. So I didn't really digest it as much as I should have. And I just went back training and I went back working and right back to my routine. You know, I have work to get done. So that was my lot, my mindset. I was like, just go and do it. And then the fight got called off in July, which was, you know, it was a nightmare because I had done all the work. You know, I didn't mm. process it as much and I all that work done. So then I had to fight in November. So it was a missed fight, so a bit of a layoff. And that was some horrible matchmaking, that Jones, because uh, he's a cruiserweight, sometimes super heavyweight. I had no business fighting him. And his record was 13 and 6, but he had knocked out some good super heavyweights. You know, I had watched him. He was, he was a good fighter. And the fights he had lost were against elite level guys, you know. So I'm thinking to myself, and I brought it up to my team first. I'm like, this seems like a bit of a dodgy match. Like, he's not going to make the weight. Because we agreed on a catch weight, just 180 pounds, we said, you know, 180 pounds. He's like, no, he'll make the weight. It's fine. I'm like, all right. So we go to the weigh-in. And this is funny because he's a veteran. Like, he came in. First, he showed up 45 minutes late. I'm the last person there. And he came in limping. <laughs> and, uh, right, he came, he came in limping. And uh, had to go to the doctor first. And then he goes on to scale. And something funny is, like, he didn't want to step on the scale. You know, and he looked big. He was a big guy. And he stepped on the scale. He was 195 pounds. So he was 15 pounds over the scheduled weight, right? And uh, I remember, was it uh, the next day then we came back? He had to weigh in again. He had lost like a few pounds, nothing really. And I I was advised not to fight, but I had to, you know? I was like, I missed a fight. And then I said to myself, he was a good opponent. Like it put me into the top 100 in the world, that win right there, you know? Actually put me, I think it was a few months after that, I was top 50 in the world for a little while. So it was a great win for me. But I said to myself, Do you know what? If I'm going to achieve what I think I should achieve, because I could, I could stop boxing, I could go use my degree. But I said, this is a dream. And if I'm going to go anywhere with it, these are the fights I have to win anyways. So even though he's a bit big for me, I said, six rounds, just boxing. So I said, I'll do the fight. And um, yeah, we had the fight. And uh Funny, we got, he walked into that, the, the day of the fight, he walked in limping as well. And we get into the ring and he's hopping up and down on his toes. <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> Willie Wonka. Yeah, he was, he was, you know, but it's, it's all, but that's just an example of the dirty tricks and tactics in the game. Like, you know, cause he was trying to convince at the way in, we were like, what the hell is going on? And he's like, oh, I'm injured. I'm injured. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. It's okay. <laughs> I'm injured, you know, that's quality. Like that. But uh, I fought, so we had the fight. And, you know, I beat him all six rounds. And he actually got two point deductions as well because I was frustrating him. He couldn't touch me. And he, so he was doing some dirty things, like, you know, and he got points deducted and whatnot. But when that fight ended, it's kind of, I was quite emotional after that fight because it all. The release. That, that yeah, it was a release because I didn't process it. I just went. And then I had that fight and it just, it all released then, you know, and yeah. It that's was, what you needed that's you needed to yeah. have a fight it's, i suppose maybe if it maybe it would have happened earlier in, in july but maybe that was too soon so it's probably for the best that it got put on you could have lost your undefeated record in july and like what would it matter it doesn't matter really but at the same time it's better that that fight didn't take place and you were able to do a good professional job in november despite this guy's uh shenanigans i remember andy lee was talking recently about uh <laughs> when tyson fury fought francis and ganu and they were watching him doing the pads and he couldn't get the gloves on he was falling around the place didn't know what he was doing and they were thinking this guy doesn't have a clue and then gets yeah. into the ring and nearly takes out fury but no that's a i digress um it's great to hear that that you did i suppose get that emotional release because obviously processing it is very important yeah 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 exactly you know but um yeah that was that was that was a good night for me right and it was a good win and uh yeah so now like i want to talk light heavyweights maybe the domestic scene and the world scene I saw um Arthur Baturbiev, you know, retained his three world titles. Is, is it three world titles he's got against uh, Callum Smith? He he demolished right. him, really, didn't he? He took him yeah. apart. And uh, you end up wondering how do people pick Smith really in the first place when you saw what Canelo did to him 
maybe the, maybe the fate was oh he he's who he's supposed to be up at light heavyweight and Baturbiev can be hurt. He's getting on, but he can be hurt. He hurts people, Baturbiev. What did you think of his performance? Um, and what did um, you think? What did you get a fight? I thought, yeah, honestly, I gave Callum Walsh a pretty good chance. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, no, sorry, no, no. Smith. Yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah. On. yeah, yeah. Smith, yeah. Uh, I gave Smith a pretty good chance. Um, because I watched Better Be of and Yard, and Yard gave him a lot to do. And like you said, Better Be of is getting up there in age. Is he 39 now? Do you know, he's up there and he's had a few wars, do you know? And I'm thinking... The guys that gave better be maybe a hard enough time for like eight, nine rounds aren't as good as Smith. I was thinking. But yeah, he just took him out of there. And I wouldn't I would know nothing about it, but I was listening to a video Anthony Fowler had put up and then Tony Bellew. They were both like something funny about that performance. Cause it's like he it is like he improved. At 39 years old, he got like he's getting stronger and it was because I know he had, I know Eddie Hearn, there was some interviews, there was some some funny sample or testing found with Better Be when, you know, they're doing drug testing and stuff. Now, yeah. I guess it, everything ended up being okay and stuff, but there was a good point that Fowler and Tony Bellew brought up was, like, he's improving. You know, for someone who's boxed his whole life, he should be on the decline now, you know, and it's like, he's getting stronger. And it was, like, I really was surprised at how we demolished Smith, because Smith is a great fighter, like, you mm. know. And, um, yeah, so I, I wouldn't know anything about that aspect of it, but I thought it was a bit, I almost thought it was weird how we beat him that bad because Canelo beat him easy, but he didn't really hurt him. Like Smith could stay there the whole time. You know, I know better be as a heavier weight and all that, but, you know, Smith is anything better than what he was against Canelo because he's more hydrated, stronger, you know? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I thought, yeah, better be if he's, he's a scary man. Scary man, isn't he? Yeah, he's uh he's like I mean he he's knocked out everybody, I guess. So I mean yeah. the argument that his his power is getting better, maybe he's getting more effective at, at hurting people. Maybe. You know, just every yeah. fight he picks up a bit more experience. And you know, maybe they saw some and maybe Callum Smith just doesn't have the kind of chin that seasoned light heavyweights have. Like he's been inactive for the good to two years as well. So yeah, I, I like I think there was an atypical uh, finding in his in his sample as well. So okay. like but um Nothing, but even nothing Smith, strong enough to charge him on, so he hasn't been like done for doping or anything like that. Yeah, I wouldn't even consider Smith his chin weak or anything. Like, better be no. him knocking you out isn't a, isn't isn't no. a, something to no. be ashamed about. And he like, punches. No. He put like Canelo took out Smith by or beat up Smith by punching his arms. I think he got a bicep injury in that fight as well. But Baturbiev, like he punches you like around the temples. He gets you catches you on the side of the head, top of the head. I'd say it's just. A very discombobulating experience to take punches off him. And you ever see those drills he does? He's still doing the press ups on his fists, on his fingertips, his knuckles, his hands. Yeah. You ever see what he does? He, he, he chaps an animal, like, and he can. But, like, even like the part last that, Kenneth Egan about him, you know, like, speaking the, of great light heavyweights. The training he would have done, even coming up through the amateurs, like, growing up, like, the discipline would have been unmatched, you know, kind of, yeah, like, in like Russia, Kazakhstan, and those places, like, you know, like, they're. There, it's there. A lot of them will be like, especially Kazan, A lot of them will be a different breed. The way they train, like you know, they they nearly train like they have no luxuries in life, you know. And it's just fighting, you know. Yeah. So like he's he's a yeah he's a, he's a monster of a man. Better be a yeah. Do you think uh, Bivol can beat him for the undisputed fight? So after watching, I for the last year I said Bivol would beat Better Be. I'm like Bivol is just unbelievable. But then I watched what better be if just did to Smith there and I'm thinking, ooh, do you know? So you don't know. Like, it's, it's one of those fights you can't call. It's like, I think Beaver could outbox him. But, you know, once you get into the later rounds, will better be wear him down? You, you don't know, like, you know. But I think Beaver is one of my favorite boxers now. Like, you know, he's, mm. he's, he's, he's very skillful, very good, you know. Um, like the clinic he put on against Canelo was, you know, unbelievable, like. Yeah, and you don't see too many Russians getting chinned. Like, so, you know, yeah, that's what Beth Herbie was going to have to do to him. But, um, yeah, I'd say I'd probably lean slightly more towards him. Like, but it's a tough one. And look, it looks like it is actually finally going to happen this year. So that's a, that's a good thing. I want to look to the uh, the domestic uh, light heavyweight ranks. You're you're well up there. Um, there's so many guys around light heavyweight or maybe just on the verge of super middleweight as well. Old old rivals of yours from the amateurs, people you like you succeeded Joe Ward in the chair at a 
light heavyweight. But then you've got uh, Emma Brennan, you know, your old foe, Tommy Hyde, another old foe, Kevin Cronin, Jamie Morrissey, even Craig McCarthy from Waterford. There's so many different options for you for a fight back home. Now, you're obviously 8 and 0 from fighting exclusively in the United States so far. But, um, you know, Irish title fights have happened in the USA before. Obviously, I mentioned Steve Collins earlier on. He fought for an Irish title in Boston against Sammy Story. But um, what are your, what are your, it's a new year, obviously 2024. Do you have any interest in boxing against those guys that I mentioned? Are you the best of the lot? How do you feel about the whole domestic scene or are you looking past it? Um, so I had an interest in it for a while, uh, looking at a few of the fights. And I know we had offered, I know, to fight Kevin Cronin and he had turned it down. And then. Yeah, I think we were trying to get a fight for a Celtic title or something, but then he ended up fighting Jamie Morrissey for the Celtic title. And I'm kind of thinking to myself, I'm like, how can the fight be turned down with me? Or this is what I was told anyways. The fight, to fight me, he turned it down, but then he could fight someone else for the title. And I'm kind of thinking like, that's, that's not how it should be, like, you know. So I kind of, and then I seen some other fight happening and I wasn't even being asked about it. And I was like, I was higher ranked than any of them, you know, Ozzy Bear, Joe Ward at light heavyweight. And then, so I'm kind of like, you know, I got into my head. I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to go the Irish route. I said to myself, I'll just, that's why I won my first title in August. I said, I'll just go my way. And what it is, if there's an Irish fight there and it makes sense, sure, I'll do it, you know? But I was kind of like, uh, it doesn't doesn't even matter at this stage. You know, I was kind of thinking to myself, there was fights where I should have had a mention or it should have been me or no one. And it didn't happen. Like, you know, so I'm like, it is what it is. I'll just go my own way. And if we, I meet one of them down the line, I meet them down the line, you know? So that that's the way you did, you did. Are you suggesting that you don't feel as much that way, or that's that's the way you do feel about it now? Like if it happens, well, it happens. It's, it's, it's the way. Yeah, if it happens, it happens. Yeah. You know, like I'm not going to be pushing for the like Celtic or Irish title like now. You know, um, because uh, like I said, I we had offered Cronin a fight and it was turned down, and then we had, you know, some other fights happened where I didn't even get asked about. You know, so I'm like, it's fine. I'll just go my own way in America. Maybe try and get an NABF title or, you know, an international yeah. title or something like that, you know. But just just out of curiosity, of all the names I mentioned there, from Joe Ward to Emmett Brennan, Tommy Hyde, Craig McCarthy, Kevin Cronin and Jamie Morrissey, because it's obviously, it's such a stacked division. It's very exciting yeah. for, for fans back here. Just to be clear, like, would you be open to a fight with any of them if the package was right? Yeah. Oh, I would, of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I said it's it's a tough game, like so it has it has to make sense, like mm. and even for them it would have to make sense, like you know. Um, but yeah, for sure, because like in all Irish fights, you know, there is good excitement with those. Like people get people get up for them, you know. So yeah, if it's if it's the right time and the right opportunity, if I like I'll fight anyone if it's the if it makes sense, like you know. Yeah, that's the way I say, it, and that's why I tell people like I'll I'll fight anyone if it makes sense, you know. Like this is the sport I'm in, like why wouldn't I, you know? But um, yeah, so. Taking out maybe Joe Ward because he's he's on his own path as well. But who out of the fighters I mentioned would you think stylistically would make the best fight with you? Possibly in a Brennan rematch, do you think? Or not rematch, but a fight in the pros or Tommy Hyde or what would you be thinking? Um, Probably Emma Brennan and me would have a, it would be a more entertaining fight, you know, for the, the public, you know? Um. I know you have Cronin there, like me and Jamie now. Me and Jamie are actually pretty good buddies. So it's not a fight I'm interested in, like, really. He, you put, know, he, he put you in his top five. He put you in his top five uh, pound for pound Irish fighters yeah. the other day, I saw. Yeah. So, yeah. Like, like, we're good buddies, like, you know, and we yeah. spar all the time. So I'm not, I wouldn't be eager, eager to fight him at all, you know, because, mm. like, um, Hats off to Jamie Morrissey as well. Like, I mean, oh, he came into, bo- like, he came fight, into boxing I mean, late, and last year was in. In the last 12, 15 months, he's been in three of the best fights seen on Irish soil. And, you know, he gives it everything. Yeah, big admirer. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Like, going in there with Emmett, who's an Olympian, and Jamie's only a small professional experience. Like, do you know what I mean? And he gave Emmett some good work in that fight. Mm. It was around, like, was it four, five, and six? Or those two or three rounds there where, you know, Jamie was doing really well. And I thought Jamie nicked a round or two as well. Like, do you know what I mean? He, he, he did, like, do you know, he started off. Emmett started off strong, like, and then Jamie kind of came too, and then obviously he got stopped. But, you know, Jamie gave a great, a great account of himself, considering, you know, he's against an Olympian who, and he, he himself is only boxed for how long, you know? Absolutely. I think, I think as well, to his credit, I think Emmett showed he's going to be a force to be reckoned with in the professionals. Like, I mean, 
it's not a guarantee that an Olympian is going to be like he and and he's adamant that as a professional, that's where it's going to suit him. But it's still not a guarantee. So to see Emma put on that kind of performance against Jamie Morrissey kind of showed that he's probably in it for the long haul. He's going to bring some entertaining fights. So I think yourself against just play the little matchmaker. I think yourself against Brennan would be a good fight if they could make it. Brennan obviously wants to fight in um, Crow Park if Katie Taylor gets put there and he wants to fight in New York as well. So it could be a an in back with matchroom as well. Yeah, um, I think Emmett's style does suit the pros more so than probably any of the other light heavyweight super middleweights that are there. Now, it doesn't mean that he would have a better pro career than any of the other ones. Like, you know, like even look at Joe Ward, like his style is perfect for the amateurs, you know? But look where he is as a pro now, you know, he's ranked very highly. And like, I think like he can go all the way. Like, you know, he's very, he's a very talented fighter, you know? And he still has his amateur style a good bit, you know? Like, if you look at Better Be, like he's kept, or not, sorry, uh, Bivol, he's kept a lot of his amateur style, you know, like he's very yeah. active on his feet, you know, and he's great distance and timing and, you know, so it can, it can work that like you can have less of a pro style, but still do well. I like look at Gary Cully for another example. Like when I remember when Gary Cully actually went pro, I was thinking to myself, like, he's perfect for the amateurs. Like, like I was thinking to myself, like he, he could really win and like be an Olympian and win a medal and everything. Like, why is he going pro? I'm like, that won't suit him. And then look what he's doing. Like, do you know what I mean? He's un- like, he's unbelievable. Like the power he has, and you wouldn't expect it, but the power, you know, and yeah. he's doing he's doing great. Like you know, obviously that fight he had in um, uh, in May, back in May, yeah, yeah the knockout, you know, like that. It, it happens, like I mean, like as as an old coach said to me, if you go swimming, you're gonna get wet. You go boxing, <laughs> you're gonna get hit. Like I mean, so it's it happens, like I mean, and uh, you know, probably the occasion, everything, you know, it's experience, but he would learn from it, and I think he's he's unbelievable. Like, and he's a perfect example of. An amateur style, and Dude. and uh, he's 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 got the sadism streak, which suits uh, pro boxing as well, because he went back to the same venue, the same a uh, card topped by the same fight, Taylor versus uh, Cameron. Yeah. He he had the same dressing room, the same walkout song, the same kit, the same everything, and uh, you know went through the mill and against a good opponent, Reese also. Yeah, and he, he fought a good, about- yeah fought a good opponent, and I think that shows right there, like the balls. Do you know, mm. a lot of people wouldn't do that, and. It's something similar. Like I felt that maybe when I fought that Jones, because I had had the dodgy fight a few months before that in May as well, where I was like, oh, I felt weird. Like, you know, and then I knew it was a, it was bad matchmaking. Like he was too heavy. You know, it was, it was a silly fight to make, but I said to myself, do you know what? Just do it. And I say that's the same way Gary was. He's like, just do it. You know, make a break. Just do it. Yeah. A lot of people, you know, we're fighting and I have to remind myself sometimes we're training, we're fighting and we're like, this fight, that fight, if I was to lose or if this was to happen, like, it's only boxing. There's life after boxing, you know? So we have to try and not put so much pressure on ourselves maybe that we, as as much as we do, like, you know? So I'm happy Gary, you know, he took the dive and it paid off for him, you know? Yeah. Yeah. In um, 2023 was the year of the homecoming for Irish boxing. Like, uh, obviously, Mm -hmm. Katie Taylor had hers, but like Joe Ward, Jason Quigley, Kira Malloy all boxed kind of at home and and plenty others as well. Like, I mean, if I started naming them, I'd be, I'd be here all day. But you've been speaking about 2024. You're hoping that you will come back to fight in Galway. Do you see that as a likely possibility? When's yeah. When's the next so, fight, do you think? Um, so I think the plan right now is to fight Paddy's Day in Galway. Headline, headline my own show in Galway. Um, but again, like we'll see, because you know yourself, the way Irish boxing is, a lot of shows, like they don't always materialize. Like, you know, it could be perfect up until the last minute and something happens, you know. Sniper, Have yeah. we seen that? even last year, you know, so we're hoping to announce it maybe the end of January, but um, yeah, we'll see, like, that's the plan right now and if that doesn't, if God forbid something didn't go right with that, we have other plans out here in Boston, you know, to keep busy. Well, that's great. Well, I, I mean, like, we've mentioned so many talented Irish super middleweight and uh, light heavyweight boxers and we've mentioned it's dominated by the Russians, but hopefully Ireland can have a world light heavyweight champion mm. in the next couple of years. Is your name in is your name in the hat? Oh, of course it is. Of course it is. Yeah. I believe my own ability and I know with the right team behind me, you know, I can I can go all the way, you know? Um it's like it's it's a hard game and you know, I think most fighters will tell you that, like, but you know, if I get the right team behind me, I, I think I can go all the way, yes. Hundred yeah. percent. And Thomas O'Toole, Thomas the kid O'Toole, I just want to thank you for joining us today on uh the Rocky Roads, 150th episode. It's been a it's been a whirlwind so far. I want to name the eight Galway men 
just at the end that we've had on so far. So we've had, a, and I'm probably going to leave someone out as well. So we've had Francie Barrett. I think Francie Barrett's our third most listened to episode of all time. Oh, wow. Um, Sean Mannion, obviously mentioned a few times today. Alan Donlan recently. Uh, Gabrielle Dawson. We've had Kira Malloy, the, uh, the rising super heavyweight. And I'm, I'm really hoping he qualifies for the Olympic Games. Impressive character. Martin McDonough. We had a coach to the stars, Mike Mongan, and now Thomas O'Toole. You've been on the hit list for a good few years, so I'm delighted that you joined us today for this episode. Well, thank you very much for having me on. It was my pleasure, and hopefully I'll talk to you soon. 